it's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Welcome. Today, the guest on my show is Bob Turson, noted sales author and blogger, blogger, excuse me, and author of one of my favorite sales books, Selling Fearlessly. Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? Good. Good. So, you know, rather than have me read some standard biographical information about you, you know, take a minute and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background and what you currently are doing. Well, I'm currently retired. Um, Bravo. I do have, well, yeah, I've been retired for five years. Uh, everything I do with sellingfearlessly.com is under the heading of my retirement gig. You are the busiest retired person I know. Yeah, although lately I want you to know I've been kind of taking it easy when I feel like it. I, I, I seem to do most of my work in the morning and sometimes late at night, but uh, lately in the afternoon I've been cruising, taking it easy. So you had a long career in sales, even though you're still quite involved in sales, and especially as, and we'll get into some of that a bit later, but to tell us how you got started in sales and what you sold. What, uh, tell us a little about the company you had for a long time. Well, at first I started in real estate, um, and I, I was very young. And why real estate? What drove you in that direction? You know, I, nothing really. I just kind of answered an ad one day, and, uh, and then uh, six months after that, I went in the Navy, and then I came back out of the Navy, and I went back to real estate for a couple of years. But I really uh, was still young and not focused. I didn't do very well. I hadn't learned discipline yet. And so I really wasn't, wasn't all that enamored. And then when I was uh, 25, I, I went to work for an advertising company, selling advertising to small business people. And I met a man who really kind of figuratively grabbed me by the throat and, and taught me how to be a salesperson. Now, who was this guy? His name was Bob Trudeau. I, I wrote about him in uh, my book, Selling Fearlessly. He, um, he taught me the selling triangle, um, mental attitude, work habits, salesmanship knowledge. And from that point on, um, everything changed. I just, everything just clicked, Andy. Uh, I learned that when you're mentally strong and you do the work without any exception and you really know your stuff, you know your business, you know selling there isn't anything that can stop you. And I just just took off like a rocket. So tell us a little bit about these ads you were selling. It was a company that produced, uh, we produced a, a soft vinyl jacket that fit over yellow page directories. And they had multi-year calendars and community numbers and um, uh, personal number sections. And mm -hmm. then we started advertising to local business people in an alphabetized guide. And Two, two and a half years after uh, working, for, well, six months after I started, I uh, was made a regional sales manager. And then a couple of years after that, I just formed my own company and the rest was history. I had my own company for 38 years. Wow. So your customers were primarily small businesses. Yeah. The real estate broker, the funeral director, the insurance agent, etc. 
So describe a typical sales day for you during that time. There was no typical. I had different stages of my career where I worked differently, but I'll grab on to the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. I would fly out on Sunday to the area that I was working in. I made my calls on Monday over the telephone, setting up appointments, and I would set up four appointments for Tuesday and four appointments for Wednesday. And I would give uh, somewhere around eight presentations uh, during that time. Sometimes it was, you know, one didn't hold, uh, one led to two, so it was a little give or take eight. In the years prior to that, I also worked Thursdays. I never worked for Fridays. Really? Throughout your entire career? Right. Never. And um, What'd you do on Fridays? I had fun. It's a great lesson for salespeople, right? I'm sorry? It's a great lesson for salespeople if you can accomplish your numbers in four days. Yeah, that's the the point, that if you work hard on the days you work, you can do that. I took 12 to 17 weeks a year off throughout my career, not because I didn't want to work, Andy, because I was traveling and I wanted to spend some time at home. So I I took a lot of time off, but when I worked, I was a machine. So when you were making the cold calls on Monday to people, making the phone calls, Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that's so much a big part of what you're hearing about in sales these days with you know, this whole function yeah. of the sales development rep that's doing the, the hunting and so on, setting up the appointments for the account exec. You were really the sales development rep and the account exec all rolled into one. Yeah, plus I had to manage other people. I had to run a business. I, I wore a lot of hats. And and sometimes on Friday, uh, uh, I had to do a little bit of work running the business, but Ball games were more fun. Yeah. Well, so tell me about these Monday calls. How'd you, how would you do with those to make those successful? I get would your just appointment get set up? on the phone and call businesses. If I had a name, I used it. If I didn't have a name, I tried to get one. Uh, I didn't always get through. So once I had the name, I, I, I would go back. Sometimes I had to ask for the owner of the business. And I always had a, a card that I had uh, with me every day. An index card. And the categories on the card were C for calls, O for owners, A for successful approaches, P for presentations, S for sales, and then a dollar sign for dollar volume. So every time I dialed the phone, I'd make a mark on that card so I could keep track of how many calls I was making how many times I spoke to an owner, how many times I made a successful approach, how many presentations were set up, how many sales were made, and what the dollar volume was. I had, In my book, I actually could cite the figures of what every call was worth. Uh, for example, just picking a number out of the air, uh, perhaps every call was worth uh, $60, mm-hmm. figuring it out that way. Right. So I knew every time I dialed the phone, that's what I was earning. Not literally, but that's sure. how, it, how it played out. And I, I would make these calls, and I would engage with people who really didn't want to talk to me. Uh, small business people are inundated with salespeople, especially advertising salespeople. And the first thing I want to do is, is get rid of you. So I had to be intriguing. And what was your secret to that? Well, I had, a, I had a set approach that I used, and I had certain rebuttals that would attract attention or would get someone to think or engage with me. 
And I tried to be um, disarming. I tried to be different. When someone would tell me, for example, they weren't interested, I would say, of course, you know, you haven't had a chance to hear what I have to say. But let me ask you something. If I could show you something that would truly make a significant difference, a significant profit difference, would you at least take a few minutes and look at it with an open mind? And maybe we'd go back and forth on this a number of times, but I would just hang in there and keep reaching for the individual to display an open mind. And often after a sale was made, Andy, I would have someone tell me, I hope this doesn't sound too self-serving, but I would have someone tell me, you know, I don't know why I let you in here. I never let anybody in here. <laughs> I, w I heard that countless times. So, but it was a matter. It was a matter of knowing my material, knowing what to um, appeal to, right, and and being relentless. That's really what it came down to. I, I would one of my favorite things to say to someone is, uh, someone was, you know, I know you get twenty calls a day and you want to get rid of about nineteen and a half out of twenty, but let me ask you something. If there was something that would really, really make a difference. That one out of, you know, 20 things that is really worthwhile. Don't you want to know what it is? And, and at the very least, you'd know what your competition is going to use against you. Mm. So the lesson for... You know, and that made people... I beg your pardon? Well, I was going to say, if you translate that then into a lesson for, you know, let's take these... You know, it's been incredible growth in the inside sales business, if you will, or, you know, companies that are adopting inside sales for doing the initial outreach to clients, or sometimes even the entire product sales lifecycle, you know, opening doors is so important. So what's, what's the lesson you're providing to the inside sales guy today? What's, what's the most important well, thing they could really focus on to get past that gatekeeper, to get to somebody that's, they can have a substantive sales conversation with? Well, first of all, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in the value of what you're providing people. You almost have to feel a responsibility to bring this value to them because they're not aware of it. And, and you have to really feel that viscerally. Mm -hmm. And then you have to um, always present yourself as the prospect's equal. You can't be afraid of the individual. You have to meet them eyeball to eyeball, even if you're on the telephone, as an equal, as someone who he should want to spend some time with because it's in his best interest. Now the you, name have, you have to make him feel that it's in his best interest. And you do that by knowing your material, by um, appealing to his better judgment, and by uh, being persistent to the nth degree. So the title of your book, Selling Fearlessly, so where's the fearless part come in? Is it that acting, yeah. as, acting as an equal? Acting, well, not acting as an equal, being an equal. Being an equal. And, uh, yeah, you're entitled to that. If you're someone who has true value and, you, and you're making money for people, you're bettering their lives, are you not entitled to respect and that individual's attention? Is it not in his best interest that he pay attention to you? I think so. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it all starts with how you see yourself. Oh, I love that. That's a great, great approach. 
So we're going to take a short break here. When I come back, I'm going to ask you about the subtitle of your book in terms of the one-call close. Okay. With me is Bob Turson, author of Selling Fearlessly. We'll be back in just a second. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, I'm back with uh, my guest today, Bob Turson, author of Selling Fearlessly. He claims he's retired, but as someone who <laughs> talks to Bob frequently, reads his writing, his blogs, uh, very active and very respected in the sales community for someone that says he's retired. You just introduced uh, an online training package, right? Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Right. It's put out by wagmom.com, and it's Go Sales Train. And if people will go to sellingfearlessly.com or to um, Apple, they can find it. So what's the content that you're providing for people with the training system? Well, it was was designed so someone could... uh, watch these videos and really be inspired before going into a sales presentation. Got it. So speaking of which, again, your sub- subtitle in your book talking about the one-call close. So was that specific to a particular type of product you're selling, or you're saying almost any product could be sold? You basically get that customer commitment no. in one call. No, no, no. I, I would never claim that. There are certain businesses that... Uh, are applicable to the one call close and businesses that are not. So what's the secret if you've got a product that's could be sold well, in one call like like your product I presume the, the advertising you're selling what was the yeah. well, what was the secret? It's a product that somebody really needs to uh, or a service that someone needs to look at and decide on. Uh, he has all the information he's ever going to need from that initial presentation. He's the decision maker. Mm -hmm. And if he isn't going to buy it then, he isn't going to buy it more than likely. Uh, But if you're selling a major software component uh, to General Electric and 40 different people have to sign off on it, uh, and they have to have multiple meetings about it, and it's got to take somewhere between six months and 18 months to make this major decision, that's not going to be a one-call close, and anybody who claims that it can be is ridiculous. However, each step of the way in that pipeline is a one-call close. You always have to have that next step ready. And a commitment from the customer to take it. Absolutely. So in your career, in terms of learning experiences, what was sort of the, I guess the biggest failure you had as a salesperson? What would you learn from it? And what's the lesson you could impart to to other people to learn from their failures? Well, you know, Andy, would you mind if I read something from my book? Sure, a short short passage. We've got a couple minutes. Well, there's a story I tell in the book about the dumbest thing that I ever did, you know, as a salesperson. And And what was that? Well, I, I made a statement 
uh, to an individual. I'm not sure that I'll be able to find the darn thing, but well, let, let me just tell you the story. Sure, just tell the story. Yeah, I I walked in and I I was uh, about to present to a guy who ran a retail business. He was very gruff, very strident. He wore a gun on his hip, <laughs> and I mean it was. He, w- he was just not an easy individual to deal with. He was very intimidating. And down near the end of the presentation, I can't remember. I just remember that he gave me his reason for not buying. And ignorantly, I said, but that's silly. And he picked up my briefcase, my five-inch briefcase, and he did like a shot put across the store. And materials from the case were flying everywhere. <laughs> And I thought the guy was going to shoot me. I mean, it was, uh, he was, you know, I remember he said, silly, silly, why you SOB, only he pronounced all the words. Right. uh, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And as I said in the book, I never uh, used that silly rebuttal again. Right. Pun intended. Right. So what's, uh, what's the lesson then to pass on to? Well, don't ever get so nervous that you say something stupid. (laughs) I was so intimidated and so nervous that uh, the guy just threw me off my horse. So if you get into that situation and you're not at the point where you're saying, you know, be equal to the people you're talking to and you have this this nervousness, I mean, do you have any tricks that you use to sort of calm yourself down? No, uh, you know, uh, the truth is, is that I was normally just usually on top of even the most difficult situation. That was just an exception to the rule. And it always stayed with me, of course, because uh, I was so embarrassed about how I handled it. Yeah. Well, embarrassment can be a great motivator. Yeah. Or not let you do the same, you know, stupid thing again. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I want to ask a few questions. These are sort of rapid-fire questions you can give sort of short, short answers to. So when you were selling, what was the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Um, sincerity, a great product, and fear of loss. Yeah. If, some, if some... I was going to sell it to one funeral director and he wasn't going to be the one, it meant his competitor was going to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Fear of loss is a great motivator for salespeople. I always No, I hated losing when I was selling. So who's your, well, let's say who was your sales role model? My father. Tell us about that. Well, I grew up with this salesman around me all my life. He sold everything. He sold cookware. He sold sewing machines. Door to door. Uh, well, no, they would have leads. Mm-hmm from television ads and uh, he sold uh, cutlery, he sold garbage disposals. My father was an old warrior, he mm-hmm. was a salesman. And, and so I grew up around this. So there was, there was almost an in, instinctive quality to my own career that came from my father. I was exposed. I was exposed to the sales environment as a child, and I and I really lapped it up. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think was the single biggest lesson you learned from your father about sales? 
Well, that's a good question. You know, I, I'm not sure how to answer that one, Andy. What's the best? I mean, he taught me so many things. I'm not sure that I can pick anyone out. And and even though he taught me things, uh, I still wasn't ready to be successful until Trudeau got his hands on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what he didn't teach me was discipline, because I don't know necessarily whether he was disciplined himself. Uh, when I look back at his life, I, I think probably he wasn't as disciplined as he could have been. I know years later, when I was uh, in business and I was producing numbers that astounded him, he was in awe of that. And I think he realized that he could have been so much more if he had had the, dis- the discipline that I was displaying, work discipline. Mm-hmm. You got to do the work, Andy. No, no getting around it. Yeah. So what's the one sales book that every salesperson should read? Well, I have a bunch of favorites. Give me, <laughs> give me one. Well, the book that I grew up on that I always loved was How to Raise Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Betcher. And how do you spell that last name? B-E-T-C, no, B-E-T-G-G-E-R, something like that. I, I may be off a little bit. Frank Betcher. So give the title again. How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling. Okay. We'll have to look uh, that up. For, uh, and that's more for the one call close. Mm-hmm. He was a life insurance salesperson. For pipeline salespeople, I love Mike Weinberg's book, New Sales Day. Simplified. New Sales Simplified. New right. Sales right. Simplified. Right. Kelly Riggs's book. Stop Whining, Start Selling. Yeah, Quit Whining and Start Selling. And I love Jeff Shore's book, Be Bold and Win the Sale. Great. Your books. And I've got both of your books with me. I. There's so many great sales books, Andy. How can you how can you distill it down to one or two? All right. So, what's the one non-sales book that every salesperson should read? Think and Grow Rich. By by oh, Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill. Think and Grow Rich. Great motivational speaker. So, what was your favorite music to listen to to get yourself mentally ready for a sales call? I I used to love the music from uh, Man of La Mancha. Yeah, great play. Yep. That, that would inspire me. To dream the, impos- dream the impossible dream? Yeah. March into hell for a heavenly cause. So what's the one most important thing a new or inexperienced salesperson should focus on to improve? I think I know the answer, but... Well, I'd say you have to be mentally strong. You have to do the work. And you have to know your business backwards, forwards, and sideways. You have to know the customer's business backwards, forwards, and sideways. You have to have it all. Mental attitude, great work habits, and you have to have the knowledge. Is there any reason why that would be different today than it was before? No, no. I I always say that they're making it a lot more complicated nowadays than they need to. It's uh, it's really very simple. Just be tough, go to work, and know what you have to know. So are salespeople born or made? They're both. There are some people that are born salespeople. They're that good at it. They're that instinctive. I write about that in my book. But there are people who have to know it. They have to learn those instincts. When I sat across from a prospect, I instinctively knew what he was thinking just from his body language. That's a born salesperson, Andy. But someone can learn how to, how to, how to pick that up mm-hmm. if you work hard enough at it. Okay. Cubs or White Sox? Both. 
Uh, I mean, I started out White Sox. My son became the Cubs announcer. So I went to the Cubs. I am a Cub fan. I have season tickets, but I still root for the White Sox too. So one question, this is sort of it. The last question for you is the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople. How to get in. That's the one question. I had a client I was coaching who sold uh, home improvement and he was driving four or 500 miles to a, a call and he couldn't get in sometimes. I mean, that's a long way to go to be told you're not going to be given a, giving a presentation. Absolutely. And I, I actually worked out a, uh, a rebuttal for him to get in. And the next day he called me and was just yelling about how it had worked. Right. So he was prepared himself to be able to deal with the rebuttal. Yeah. You know, Andy, there's nothing that a, a prospect could ever say to me that I didn't have an answer for. I knew my business that well. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, quite frankly, I think it's one of the areas where salespeople today are, are least proficient. Well, they don't think that they have to work that hard prepare themselves that hard. You know, what makes a great golfer? What makes a great tennis player? What makes a great basketball player like Jordan? Practice. They're ready when they go out for the big game. They're not going to wing it. They're not going to be half of something. They're the whole package. Great advice. So last question for you. What do you consider your greatest success outside of work? My marriage. How long have you been married? 38 years. Congratulations. I think I told you once, I'm so in love with Nikki, I can't think straight half the time. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Well, I want to thank you today, Bob, for joining us. Uh, everyone, please be sure to read Bob's blog at sellingfearlessly.com. If you get a chance, pick up his book and read it full of great stories that no matter what you sell, there'll be lessons in there for you. And remember, make it a part of your day every day to learn something new to help you amp up your sales. So until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling to everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.